Welcome to the Celebration Church podcast and thanks so much for tuning in. Celebration Church is one church in 10 locations across Southeast Louisiana. We are all about changing lives, homes, our city, and the world through Jesus Christ. We hope that you're both encouraged and challenged by today's message. Welcome to week three of our Pathway to Happiness series. And before we begin today, let me say that today's scripture, it may not be for everyone. Uh, You know, it reminds me in 2020 when the Dallas Cowboys lost to the Arizona Cardinals. I saw a video. One Cowboys fan threw his full beer at the TV, messing it up. Then he punched it a couple of times. It, It fell down to the ground where he shot it, not once, not twice, but four times. I think it was that fourth shot that really put the TV out of its misery. And today's message is for that Dallas Cowboys fan, wherever you are. Today's message is for anyone else who's carried out an armed assault on a television. It's for anyone else who's had to delete posts or comments off of Facebook or social media that you may have made in the heat of the moment. It's for mothers and fathers who spoke harshly to their children. It's for those who've cussed someone out in traffic. It's for those who've punched walls or thrown objects or at any moment lost their cool or been a slave to their own pride. Like I said, today's message, today's scripture, it's not for everyone, but it may be for you. And so I want to read Matthew chapter 5, verse 5. Jesus said this, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Meekness is a character quality uh, that's undervalued in our world today. So undervalued, many of us don't even know what it is or what it looks like. This word meek, it comes from the Greek word prautes, which depicts the attitude or demeanor of a person who is forbearing, patient, and slow to respond to anger, or one who remains in control of themselves in the face of insults or injuries. A meek person is someone who is gentle, who has their strength under control. Now, I want to make clear that a meek person is not a weak person or a freak person. Often, when television or movies depict a meek person, they're depicted as weak or or freaks even. Uh, You don't often find the meek person playing the role of hero. More often than not, they're this sort of comical, nerdy sidekick. But Jesus himself was meek. And there's no grander hero in all of history than Jesus. Jesus himself said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. He says this, take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle or meek. I am humble and meek at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Jesus offers us a great example of meekness. And meekness is not weakness. Actually, it's quite the opposite. It's an indication of strength. Nobody is, was, or ever will be stronger than Jesus. The whole world was created through him. He had the power to walk on water, the power to multiply food. Somebody say amen. He had the power to cast out demons and cure incurable diseases. He had the power to raise the dead. No one would look to Jesus and say that he's weak, he's powerful, he's, he's mighty, but meekness is about being strong enough that you don't have to advertise your strength. Meekness is having the confidence in your own strength, or in the strength of the Lord in this case, 
that you don't have to posture or, or, or show it about. Meekness is the confident gentleness that comes with knowing how to properly wield the strength of God. Now, Jesus, though he was strong and mighty and all-powerful, he was a meek and gentle individual, and we need to aspire to be meek and gentle as he was. Our verse today, remember, blessed are the meek. Happy are we when we are meek, for we will inherit the earth. That's God's word to us, and so today we want to explore the benefits of being a meek or gentle individual. We'll tell you about a lot of things here today. Number one, meekness helps us to diffuse conflict with others. That's one of the reasons we want to be meek. It, it helps us to diffuse conflict with others. Have you, have you ever said the wrong thing or done the wrong thing? I heard a story of a husband and wife who were sitting at a table at her high school reunion, and she just kept staring at this drunken man who was sipping his drink as he sat alone at a nearby table. And the husband asked his wife, do you know that guy? And she said, yeah, I know him. He's my old boyfriend from high school, but I understand that after we broke up, He took to drinking, and I hear he hasn't been sober since. The husband said, my goodness, who would think a person could go on celebrating for that long? And that was the wrong thing to say to his wife. That was not a meek comment. It started a fight. And I don't know if you've been married for long. Maybe you're not married yet. But one thing I'll tell you is that marriage often engages us in conflict, but Proverbs 15 gives us some good advice. A gentle answer, a meek answer, deflects anger, but harsh words make tempers flare. Now, I don't know about you, but I can be pretty gentle until I find myself in a fight. I can be pretty gentle until words are thrown that get under my skin, and then it almost doesn't even matter what the fight is about. I'm in it to win it, right? And and, and so I make a lot of bad decisions in those moments. I can't tell you how many knockdown, drag out arguments I've had with my wife where I couldn't even remember how it started. I couldn't remember what the fight was about. I was just in it for the win. That may sound worthwhile to some, but it's not worthwhile. It just hurts us. Why? Why do we do that? Well, one reason is because of these mirror neurons that we have in our brains. Mirror neurons in our brain cause us to want to feel or express what others are feeling or expressing. So once that first verbal jab is thrown, you respond in kind, right? This is, this is how it plays out in my house. My wife will say something like, why are you getting mad at me? And I'll say, because you're getting mad at me. You can see there's part of me that never evolved from being four years old. I'm still working on that. When I say it out loud, I can hear how childish it really is, how nonsensical it is. But in that moment, I'm not trying to solve problems. I'm not trying to settle disputes. I'm just trying to win. And that's why it's important that when others raise their voice or get angry, we need to have the meekness and the self-control to do the opposite, to stay in control, to do the opposite of what they're doing. When I was younger, my dad taught me how to fight. And I remember his words to me, don't throw the first punch, but if someone hits you, you hit them back every time they hit you until they stop hitting you. Now, I got to tell you, that wasn't just my dad's advice and approach to fighting. That was kind of my dad's approach to life. That was his life advice. And that's how my dad lived. If someone cut him off in traffic, he'd catch up with them and reach out the window and give them the 
go to heaven sign. You know the drill. And, and if someone does you dirty, then you do them dirty. It was, it was worldly justice meted out through personal retribution. My dad died when I was 13 years old. He was only 60 years old. And looking back, I don't think he needed more payback. I think he needed more peace. And can I just tell you, until we learn to use meekness to diffuse conflict, we'll always be at the mercy of conflict. Peace will always be outside of our grasp. Meekness helps us to diffuse conflict. It also helps us to disarm our critics. Let me ask you, those of you out there on the interwebs, how do you typically handle it when people criticize or insult you? Now, I've been a pastor for some time, and I've grown accustomed to criticism over the years, and sometimes it comes in anonymously, which, by the way, I don't, I don't take seriously if someone's not willing to sign their name to some criticism. And sometimes it comes through social media, which I also try not to take seriously because People just get uncontrolled on social media. And sometimes it comes as a casual, snarky comment. Sometimes it can be incidental. Sometimes it can be an unplanned confrontation. And sometimes someone will schedule an appointment with me and say, Pastor, there's just something I have to get off of my chest. You know, sometimes it's trivial. They'll say, Pastor, we need you to get some better jokes. Or, or, Pastor, we don't like your jokes. And it's, sometimes it's coming from a cheerful heart and a cheerful place, but sometimes it's important, and sometimes they're right, and sometimes they're wrong. I've probably dealt with more than 100 critics in my lifetime uh, in ministry. But in all those incidents, I have never successfully argued someone into agreeing with me. And I don't think we can argue or fight our critics into agreement with us. I've never won someone over by losing my cool. Now, I have lost a lot of opportunities and a lot of relationships by arguing and losing my cool. And I've even won over some critics by simply staying calm and sincere, but I have never won a critic by arguing with them. Paul said this, we respond gently when evil things are said about us. Can you imagine being the Apostle Paul and tolerating the things that people would say? But he said, we respond gently when evil things are said about us. Paul says that because when we respond to our critics with meekness and gentleness, it disarms and it even disappoints them. Paul told Titus, your conversation should be so sensible that anyone who wants to argue will be ashamed because there won't be anything to criticize in anything you say. What if we lived our lives like this? You see, mental meekness helps us to disarm our critics. It helps us to diffuse conflict. It also helps us to develop persuasiveness with others. We can become more persuasive simply by appealing to meekness. You know, people are rarely reached by the hard sell in our day. You know what I mean, the the hard sell? I mean, the pushy sales tactics, the aggressive approach to persuasion. I remember uh, I was on vacation with my family, and my mother had been very generous. She had gifted us some timeshare points, but while we were there, they really wanted us to get into a seminar where they could, they could, they could really uh, persuade us to purchase some timeshare points ourselves. 
And my wife wasn't having any of it. And so this, this lady was aggressive. She kept pushing. And so she asked my wife, what do I have to do to get you into one of my seminars? And my wife said, well, do this. I'll give you the phone number of my boss. If you can call my boss and convince him to give me more vacation time, I will be a part of one of your seminars, but my time is already spoken for. That helped to shut down the conversation. Can I just tell you how little we wanted to buy timeshare points at the end of that interaction? It did nothing to make us want to buy into a timeshare. It did everything to push us away from buying into a timeshare. And it's a reminder of what Proverbs says. Proverbs 25, verse 15, patience and gentle talk can convince a ruler and overcome any problem. You see, screaming, yelling, or being harsh doesn't work well, and it especially doesn't work well with children, teens, and adults. And this is difficult for me as a parent. As a kid, every one of my, my friend's parents were yellers, right? Yelling was the warning you got before you got a whooping, before you got grounded. And that's, that's something that I've just sort of taken as a, as a parent with my own kids. I figure if they're disobeying, it must be because I didn't say it loud enough. And, and so I get, I get louder, and that's my verbal warming, warning that greater punishment is on the way. They need some sort of verbal indication they're getting into punishment territory. So I raise my voice. But what I've learned over time is that raising my voice successfully produces three outcomes. Number one, it is effective at getting those dishes put away and getting those rooms cleaned. However, number two, it has a diminishing impact. The more I yell, the more I have to yell to get something done. So I have to do more of it over time to maintain that success. Number three, and this is the worst part, it produces children that are scared of me. And that is not the relationship I want to have with my children. I do not want my children to be scared of their dad. Proverbs 16.21 says, The wise are known for their understanding, and pleasant words are persuasive. Remember, we're never persuasive when we are abrasive. So wise, mature people are pleasant and gentle in their speech. Listen, our parenting it needs to be characterized by meekness. That does not mean your kids walk all over you. It's a weak parent that needs to lord their strength over their children. Our marriages need to be characterized by meekness. We're not here to take advantage of one another, but to love and support one another. Our professional relationships need to be characterized by meekness, and when we're meek, we'll be persuasive. We see meekness helps us develop persuasiveness. It also helps us display love to others. Colossians 3.19, Paul says this, husbands, love your wives and be gentle to them. Now, I'd like to add a verse from Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25. And Paul compares the relationship between husbands and wives to the relationship between Jesus and his church. He says in Ephesians 5.25, Husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her. Let's think about the way Jesus gave up his life for his church first, living incarnate was a sacrifice for Jesus. He was omnipresent. That means 
everywhere, to go from being self-existent and self-sufficient, all-powerful, omnipresent, to being a baby in a stable, confined to one place, and completely rely on on others for your your feeding and, and cleansing and everything else, that is a sacrifice to spend three years in active, near-constant ministry service, surrounded by sick people, just begging for healing all the time, and a core team of followers who really, they don't get it, and they don't get you. That's, that's a sacrifice. Having one of those core followers end up betraying you, that's a sacrifice. Knowing that you made the earth and everything in it, the very people killing you, that you are in fact their king and worthy of their worship, but dying at their hands in the same fashion as a criminal. That's a sacrifice. Men, I need you to understand that's the calling of being a husband. That level of sacrifice and that nature of love, you're playing the role of Jesus to your spouse. You're playing the role of Jesus to your kids. And it's not that they don't have a role. They do. Their role is to submit to your leadership, your headship. But make no mistake, Jesus did the hard work of winning the fellowship of his church. Even though he already deserved it, he won the devotion of his people by displaying his love over and over again. Can I just tell you, meekness, it helps us display love to others. Anyone can be selfish, rough, and rude, but godly and loving men and women are gentle with others. Meekness, it helps us to display love to others. It also helps us to deserve respect from others. Proverbs eleven sixteen says, a woman of gentle grace gets respected. I want you to understand the prerequisite of gentleness for effective leadership. Now, that may not be the picture of leadership you're accustomed to, but let's unpack it here. Paul tells Timothy in 2 Timothy 2, 24 through 25, a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but must be kind to everyone, be able to teach and be patient with difficult people. Gently instruct those who oppose the truth. Look at that. Gently instruct those who are opposing the truth. How many times do we as Christians feel like we need to fight against and and combat and speak ill of those opposing us and those opposing the truth? But Paul's charge to Timothy is gently instruct those who oppose the truth. Perhaps God will change those people's hearts and they will learn the truth. Do you know why this is? It's because a servant of the Lord allows the Lord to fight their battles. When we try doing God's job for him, we end up making messes. And nowhere do we make a bigger mess than when we try to confront and conflict with those who oppose the truth of God. A servant of God allows the Lord to fight their battles. A servant of the Lord doesn't need to take vengeance. A servant of the Lord doesn't need to resort to outbursts of anger or calling people out on social media because we belong to the Lord, because the situation is the Lord's to resolve. A servant of the Lord recognizes that outbursts of anger are actually a fruit of the sinful nature, not a fruit of the Spirit. And in that place, we are to offer gentle instruction. I serve on the staff of Celebration Church. I have for 
more years than I can readily count at this moment. Our lead pastor, Dennis Watson, is effectively my boss. But there have been times over the years when we disagreed and my temper, my self-control got the best of me. And I sent an email written with anger and frustration and sarcasm to Pastor Dennis. And he'd respond back, asking to meet with me in person. And there we'd sit down face to face, eyeball to eyeball, and he'd hear me out. And I'd, exp- I'd explain myself, he'd explain himself, and he'd express his concern for my frustration. And I would apologize because I had been out of line. So basically, he was meek enough that when I was out of line, I could go into a meeting with him, receive the correction from him, and end up thanking, for, thanking him for it on my way out and renew myself to being a stronger team player in the future. Listen, that's why Pastor Dennison is more than just my boss. That's why he is my pastor. That's why I have such respect for him, because he's responded to me with such meekness, even when he's been right and I've been wrong, even when I've been out of line and he's been in line. You see, meekness always earns a higher level of respect than anger. And listen, this is not just inside the church. It doesn't just apply to church leadership or spiritual leadership. Probably the greatest president our nation has known was Abraham Lincoln. No one was more gentle with his adversaries than Abraham Lincoln. He even showed gentleness in the way he treated the defeated southern states. Mahatma Gandhi was a gentle person. Martin Luther King Jr. was a gentle person. George Washington was a gentleman. He was truly known as a gentleman, a gentle person. What I want you to understand is godly leadership is discerned, learned, and earned through gentleness. One of the funniest scriptures in all the Bible comes from Numbers chapter 12, verse 3. And it says, Moses was very meek. Other translations call that humble. Moses was very meek, more than all people who were on the face of the earth. And the reason I think that's so funny is because most of our traditions tell us Moses wrote that very verse. Can you imagine saying of yourself, now I was the most humble person in all the earth, almost bragging about your humility, but you'd have to be incredibly humble to make such a statement. Now, meekness, it helps us to deserve respect, and finally, it helps us to demonstrate Christ-likeness to others. Meekness, it helps us to demonstrate Christ-likeness to others. Can we recall for a moment that Jesus himself was meek. Can we recall that his, his teaching to us, his admonition is, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Part of demonstrating Christ's likeness to others is demonstrating that meekness. Meekness, when we show meekness, we're showing Jesus. We're showing Christ. So non-believers are constantly watching you and me. They're constantly watching Christians to see how we respond to the temptations and trials of our lives. They want to see what word you say when you hit your thumb with a hammer. They want to see how you treat somebody who cuts you off in traffic. They want to observe how you deal with the real trials of life because that's where your faith is tested. That's where your faith is proven and demonstrated. Now, I need to say, I think we've all shown the world something that isn't Christ-like at some point in these last two years of COVID craziness and elections and political dispute and disruptions, 
a lot of Christians have put forth a face that doesn't look like the Christ of Scripture. It actually looks like what Paul mentions to Titus. He says, believers must not slander anyone and must avoid quarreling. Instead, they should be gentle and show true humility to everyone. Let me ask you, how does your life over the last two years measure up with that admonition from Paul, not slander anyone, must avoid quarreling, be gentle, and show true humility to everyone. I've heard a lot of Christians excuse their bad behavior by saying, I, I may be a Christian, but I was born an American. That's a, that's a cop-out. Jesus does not bow his knee to any nation. He's the king of kings, A temporary kingdom cannot trump an eternal kingdom, and we cannot allow our citizenship in an earthly kingdom to trump our citizenship of a heavenly kingdom. Anytime we put someone or something ahead of Jesus, it pushes people away from Jesus. We will never win people to Jesus when we don't act like Jesus. And what we see in the character of Jesus and in Scripture is that that requires meekness. See, people are more likely to put their trust in Jesus when they've developed a trust in us. So let's, let's review for just a moment. Today we read Matthew 5, verse 5, where Jesus said, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. We learned what meekness is. Meek comes from the Greek word parutes, which depicts a person who's forbearing, patient, slow to respond in anger, one who remains in control of themselves in the face of insults or injuries. A meek person is someone who is gentle and has their strength under control. We also learn that Jesus himself was and is a meek person, and we explored ways that meekness can help us out. But how do we apply meekness? How do we practice this? Let me give you several ways we can practice meekness even this week. Number one, we need to understand rather than demand from those who serve us. We need to be understanding rather than demanding with those who serve us. I have friends who have worked in the hospitality industry, service industry, work at restaurants. I will always ask them this, and no one has given me a different answer. I will ask them, what is the hardest day, hardest crowd to be working at a restaurant? And they will always tell me, Sunday, the after-church crowd is the rudest, the most demanding, and the stingiest. How are Christians leaving the church where they're worshiping Jesus, encountering him personally, and then going to a restaurant and looking nothing like him just 15 minutes after the fact? We have got to be understanding rather than demanding, especially with people who it is their job, it's their role for for whatever reason to be offering us service. We need to be understanding rather than demanding. And let me just tell you, if you go out to lunch, if you're kind to your server, if you're thankful, if you're generous, you've actually opened up the opportunity to talk to them about Jesus. We need to be kind rather than unkind with those who disagree with us. There may be people in this world you will never see eye to eye with, but you have to see them as bearing the image of God. You have to show them kindness. We need to be gentle and not judgmental with those who disappoint us, recognizing that there are times where we ourselves disappoint them or others. 
We need to be forgiving rather than unforgiving to people who offend us, just as Jesus has been forgiving towards us. Let me tell you, blessing and happiness occurs in our lives when we're able to be meek and gentle like Jesus and treat others in the same way that the Lord has treated us. So right now, I'd like us to enter into a time of prayer, a prayer that we can better embody the spirit of Jesus, better embody his meekness, and that in the course of that, we will experience what Jesus promised, that we will inherit the earth. Wherever you're watching or listening from, will you just bow your head and bow your heart with me? And I want you to pray this prayer in your heart. As I pray, you can pray these words out loud or just agree with me in the silence. Pray this, dear Jesus, I am not by nature a gentle or meek person. I need your spirit of power and love and self-control. This week, when people serve me, help me to be understanding and not demanding. This week, when people disagree with me, help me to be kind and not unkind. This week, when people disappoint me, help me to be gentle and not judgmental. Lord, I want to be like you. I want to have a gentle answer that turns away anger not stirs it up. Help me to lower my voice when everybody raises theirs. When evil things are said about me, help me to respond like Paul, to respond gently and disarm my critics. When people are headstrong and I'm, I'm, I'm trying to persuade them, help me to remember that I'm never persuasive when I'm abrasive. The more pleasant my words, the more persuasive I'll be. And Lord, help me to use gentleness this week to communicate love to those that I love in my life. Help me be gentle with them. You said that gentleness and meekness earns respect. Lord, I pray you'll replace my stress with your gentleness and replace my mess with your meekness. As we pray, listen, if you've never invited Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior, but you'd like to do that, let me lead you in a prayer where you can do that right now. Pray with me, dear Lord Jesus, I want to follow you and love you and learn to trust you the rest of my life. I pray you'll come into my life to be my Lord and Savior. Forgive my sins and help me to walk with you all of my days. Fill me with your presence and power. In your name I pray, amen. Amen. If you were encouraged by today's message, make sure to rate us and subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you stream your podcast. Again, thanks for listening to the Celebration Church Podcast.